You're about to hear my conversation with Dustin Reed, our fixed income strategist. We talk all about the Fed's recent 25 basis point hike, what it means to markets, and how he thinks about positioning the portfolio because of it. I hope you enjoy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm back with Dustin Reed to get his reaction on the most recent announcement by the Fed. Dustin, I thought we would just dive right into it since we chatted just last week on the Bank of Canada and previewed this a little bit. Uh, so the Fed came out uh, and uh, hiked 25 basis points, which was largely anticipated by the markets. Um, as I know, the headline uh, is often just a small part of the story. So maybe I'd turn it over to you to get uh, a fuller picture of what happened today and, and how you're thinking about it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you very much for having me back on. So, yeah, as you said, the Fed did 25 today, which was uh, broadly expected. I think the market went in with uh, 26 basis points or so. Uh, so basically right right on the money uh, and not a, not, a, not a huge surprise from that that perspective. I would say that because um, kind of taking it piece by piece, the, um, the formal statement was uh, had a little bit of something for everybody. You had uh, a sentence that was in the December statement talking about the need for ongoing uh, increases in hikes, um, which I think a lot of the hawks pointed to and said, you know, here you go. There's at least two more, probably 25s in the pipeline. Um, and then later on in the formal statement, uh, there was a small change in one of the sentences, um, which suggested that um, that maybe the, the pace of hikes was coming to uh, a, a bit of an end. So a lot of the doves were pointing to that line in the uh, in the later paragraph to uh, suggest that things are starting to wind up. <clears throat> the reality is, I don't think the Fed knows, and I think the Fed is even though the Fed has said it's not necessarily um, going meeting by meeting. I think, I think at this point it is very data dependent and going and going meeting by meeting. And we'll have to see how, how the data um, evolves. I think that the, uh, I think the inflation data is obviously very friendly towards a, uh, a finishing of the cycle, so to speak, but the labor market data is clearly not. Uh, and we had the jolts data out this morning, which would suggest that the beverage ratio is still running at a very high uh, rate at 1.9, which is really just a, a tick or, or a tick and a bit off of the peak, which is uh, an extremely hot labor market. So somewhat interestingly, wages have been able to slow, even though the number of job openings are still very, very high. And that beverage ratio, which is, again, um, the number of job, like percentage of job openings to the unemployment rate, and you get a ratio uh, of 1.9 is, is, is quite high. Pre-pandemic, that number was running at 1.2, 1.3, just to give some perspective. So I think that is I mean, obviously the consternation uh, of, of what's happening in the committee, and there'll be different people that see it different ways. In the press conference, um, again, there was probably a little bit of something for everybody. Um, the market, uh, at least you know, in the initial in the initial hours, and we're recording this relatively soon after the end of the press conference, the the initial 
uh, market reaction has been to effectively uh, buy risk, so equities higher, uh, curve steepeners, particularly 530s, uh, and the dollar is offered, so dollar U.S. dollars lower. Um, and a lot of people are pointing to one of the questions during the Q and A session, which effective, which was a very pointed question, which essentially said, "Do you?" Uh, I'm paraphrasing slightly, but do you do you still do you still believe in the in the December uh, dot plot, um, which obviously was only one one meeting ago, and he you know, Powell didn't really come back and say that he believed in the dot plot as the way forward. And typically in these meetings, and this is obviously a non-forecast meeting today, the February meeting, typically these non-forecast meetings, the, the answer to that question has been, well, and you know, I, I'll paraphrase again, but it's basically, well, you know, our latest forecasts are this, and they speak for themselves, and we haven't moved off that. So it's a much more uh, direct, harder uh, answer, and didn't quite get that today. So that could be... You know, that's during Q&A. It's not the formal statement. So I think people are sitting back wondering, okay, is this an off-the-cuff comment that he didn't necessarily stick handle overly well? Is this a change? Does this mean that his view, his personal view, might be ebbing a little bit versus where he was maybe in December? And I think that jury's out on that. I think it's really, <clears throat> I think it's really tough to, I think it's really tough to to tell. But it's clear to me that there is a fair bit of daylight here, I think, between where some of the senior members of the committee uh, and and uh, and Powell uh, might be in terms of um, wage price spiral, having to go, uh, having to continue to uh, in, continue with the, the rate hike cycle uh, and, and those sorts of things. So I'm, I'm a little surprised in a way that it was. Um, a, a, a meeting where there were no dissents, it was 12 to zero. Um, but I think that at the next meeting in March, we're gonna see some consternation. I think we're going to see some dissents by some by some members. Um, uh, so I, I think it gets, I think this is very, I think this is tricky. Uh, so again, looking at the market reaction, which what I was just saying uh, a few minutes ago. So I, it's, it's early, um, I am, I am not totally convinced that we're going to see a lot of follow through on this initial market reaction, which effectively is to, in, in a very simplistic term, to just buy, buy risk. I think that the market uh, across assets could could fade that. We'll have to see. I mean, there there is clearly a very big difference in some of the language that Powell used at the press conference and some of the very formal language that was used in the the statement that gets released half an hour before the press conference starts, and that you typically don't see, uh, you typically don't see that much of a difference. And so, uh, Powell is speaking next week, I think on Tuesday, and uh, I think he's getting interviewed by uh, David Rubenstein, uh, and so it's probably a town hall type environment. But it is on it is on the economic outlook, I believe, in terms of the the, the topic. So if the market across assets, not just fixed income, but if markets continue to run here in this direction where financial conditions are easing materially, let's say, I would not be surprised for Powell to try and come back and rein that in. But the horse may have left the barn here and it may be really, really tough to get back. I mean, you're definitely seeing parts of the market that really just don't believe that the Fed 
is going to be able to do or, or will be able to yeah, enact really higher for longer. And the Fed will have to stop hiking rates. Um, I mean, maybe at the next meeting, but um, but but quite soon. So uh, so it's an interesting it's an interesting uh, set of events and comments today. It's an interesting uh, market reaction. Uh, clearly, the Fed does not want financial conditions to significantly loosen here, and uh, that that is that is going to be a, as, as has always been the case. And that was a big a big theme that I know you and I talked about a fair bit, particularly during the summer last year. Uh, you know, these reactions to some of the meetings, then they'd have to rein it back in. Um, I kind of wonder if we're going to have a bit of a repeat there. Anyway, so that's kind of my kind of my overall overall view from a market perspective, as well as kind of what we got this afternoon. That's great. A few follow-up questions for you. Um, you did mention uh, that uh, wages were slow, uh, but the beverage ratio very high. Seems counterintuitive, uh, like a bit of a something must give in this scenario. <clears throat> right. um, what's your expectation there? Do you expect uh, wages to sort of recontinue and uh, their uh, their increase, or do you expect um, the employment picture to worsen? I guess from a full employment perspective. So this is where these, uh, and we talked, we touched on it last week, but um, this is where this, uh, these speeches from two or three weeks ago, where you saw a handful of not only uh, Fed speakers, but I would say senior Fed speakers, start to talk about this idea that you know maybe we can see inflation continue to slow without the unemployment rate having to make a significant move higher. And I think there's my guess is there's a big, a very large discussion happening internally at the Fed around is this reasonable? Is it not? Because generally, that is not how the economy has performed. And you need to have a relatively significant uptick in the unemployment rate to get wages to uh, and 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 by and by extension uh, prices or inflation uh, to come down. And I think that debate is probably raging inside the Fed. So I would say the, the, the Fed's most favorite wages indicator, which is the, uh, the ECI, um, which got released um, yesterday, which was the first day of the two-day of the Fed meeting, so probably half an hour before they or an hour before they got into the room, continued to s- suggest that uh, wages were slowing, although slowing from a obviously very significant pace. And the headline on the quarterly was around 1% on, on the, on the, on the quarterly. Um, but there's a, a sub line in there, the Fed's favorite line, which is uh, basically private wages, X uh, one-time incentives. Uh, and that, that slowed to 0.8 on the quarter. And I believe the previous quarter was 1.1 and the quarter before that was 1.3. So you kind of got from 1.3 in Q2 to 1.1 in Q3 to 0.8 in Q4, and I th- I think that's probably I mean that's clearly from a Fed's from a Fed lens I think that's probably very constructive. Uh, you know the the annual is still running at a, the year over year is still running at about you know five percent or maybe just around five percent, which is obviously pretty pretty hot. But you know as has been the case in the as was the case in the fall on the prices side, it was very much about kind of the monthly uh, flow as opposed to the annual, right? Because we've had a lot of volatility for obvious reasons. Um, and so, I mean, obviously five is not to 5% annual is not to be ignored, but you know, the climb down of half a percentage point from one, three to 0.8 uh, 
in two quarters is uh, not, not insignificant. That's a good that's a good size move. So I think there'll be a lot of people at the Fed that are pretty pretty comfortable with that. And um, you know, but uh, pe- people are going to be concerned. People are, and Powell even said it this afternoon. People are obviously concerned about uh, not sticking around all the way through to finish the job. They're very concerned about maybe pulling a 1970s Arthur Burns and having to go back. Um, and actually, even even on that, <clears throat> even on that, uh, on that line of thinking, uh, Powell today very, rarely, if ever, see this. Powell actually quoted the Bank of Canada uh, and the and the recent and the recent meeting there, where effectively the idea is, you know, may, maybe the bank would finish uh, here, as we talked about last week, and then if things don't progress as expected, you know, we reserve the right to come back and continue to. Uh, continue to hike rates or, or, or increase the hiking cycle. And Powell, Powell actually cited the Bank of Canada today as, you know, this, this is possible for, for us as well. So I, I think, I think there's less, you know, kind of like the line I think I used last week for the BOC, the BOC wants to be done. I don't get the impression that the Fed is quite there yet. And there's definitely a camp within the Fed that is not ready to be done. That, that is, that is clear. But there's probably a decent-sized camp that is ready to be done, maybe now, um, and and probably after the March meeting, assuming assuming 25. And that's obviously very uh, very data dependent. But I think the wages story is being is you know has been constructive, and I think the Fed is unsure because I don't think the Fed would have expected, and I probably wouldn't have expected ECI. Uh, the employment cost index, the Fed's kind of favorite wages me- metric, which is a quarterly release. I don't think the Fed would have expected ECI to slow down at this pace if you had said at, if you said to the Fed, yeah, but the beverage ratio, job applicants to the unemployment rate is still going to be bumping along the ceiling of the highs at 1.9. The high was a little over two, 2.0. Uh, I, I don't so that so there's some stuff happening economically that is I'm sure causing some head scratching and that that's that's what I think is making making it challenging for uh, for the Fed to kind of have um, a strong view here and that's why I think in the statement the formal statement you had on one hand this on the other hand that and then in the state in the press conference you had a little also a little bit of you know on one hand this. Uh, on the other hand, that. So I think that's what's causing it. But the market is clearly looking through and as it should probably as it gets close to the end of the hiking cycle, uh, able to kind of look at to what's happening in terms of what the market's pricing in for the back half of 23 and, and for 24. That's great. Uh, maybe just one last point of clarity, I guess. Uh, what are your expectations for the the March meeting? And then maybe in general, is the era of sort of non twenty five basis point hikes over at this point? Are we are we expecting just twenty fives? Uh, and the question is, how many? Yeah, I think that's fair. So I, on March, I, I am expecting twenty five. I guess technically, I never changed my forecast for the coming into this meeting, the three by twenty five. So February, March, May. Um, so I mean, I would still. <laughs> I still probably somewhat reluctantly hold on to that forecast. Um, probably not worth giving up the ghost on the May meeting. I think it's probably somewhat live here. Um, we'll have to see how the data. We'll have to see how the data evolves. Um, but I think a lot of people did. A lot of people in some big houses were definitely looking for 
fit to be to hike today and be done, do 25 today and be done, that that I mean, anything's possible, but that does not look like to be the case. So I think that uh, we'll get 25 in March. Um, I'm probably leaning towards still 25 in May, although clearly that can change. We've got two, I believe, two employment reports and two CPI reports between now and the March meeting. So that will, you know, that will dictate a lot in terms of how how the cycle is progressing. But I think it's becoming uh, it's becoming less about that and more about kind of the back half of 23 and and what's happening for 24. And I think that, um, you know, we kind of talked about it a bit last week with this idea that you know, 50 basis points in the round for the back half of this year in terms of easing is probably not the right number. It's probably going to be closer to zero or closer to 100. And, you know, the pathway is essentially things are okay and bumping along and soft landing and, uh, don't don't need to don't need to cut uh, don't need to cut this year or you know we've 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 had a huge activity or output slowdown somewhat surprisingly and uh, and we're seeing too much disinflation not only in uh, goods um, goods disinflation but also it's creeping into services I, I personally don't expect that and that would be okay probably fifty needs to get done uh, for more. Um, uh, at least at least 50 needs to get done the back half of this year but i think i think you know to the second part of your question 25s i think are the base case here again after obviously having a a number of uh, significantly uh strong increases during you know a good chunk of a good chunk of last year and the and the formal statement today really did uh seem to suggest uh in that second paragraph that they're comfortable at 25s and now they're just kind of figuring out where sufficiently restrictive is uh, in terms of the policy rate and 25s is probably the way to probably the way to do that. That's great. Uh, the last uh, podcast that we recorded just last week, we talked all about Bank of Canada, um, yeah. a lot of the rest of the world too. We, we hit on uh, Bank of Japan, China, Europe, uh, talked a lot about the Fed right now. Maybe yeah. uh, combine both of those views in the podcast that you put forward. And what are you doing in the portfolio to sort of reflect your view of uh, the global economy? So there's a few things that we've had on. Um one of the trades that we've had on uh, since late last year, and I'm sure we've talked about it a couple of times on on the podcast, is the uh, kind of the China reopening trade, and um, we were on we were on that one pr- pretty early, quite early, and we really liked this idea. A couple of, under a couple of banners, one was 23, China growth in 23 can't look like 22; it has to be a lot stronger, and this idea, kind of early November. That okay, if you step back and take a look at this, where where is this going to look? What is this going to look like? In and I just put a you know flag on the ground. It's let's say June June thirtieth, twenty twenty three. You know, kind of seven seven months or so. And if you step back and get rid of the noise, um, <clears throat> it was it was to me and to I think to many people on the team, it looked like things were going to become a lot more constructive economically uh, in China. Um, and so we entered a, a long EM, um, a long EM emerging markets trade via our ETF, the QEBL, which is local markets, um, emerging market debt. Uh, and that, and that's done, that's done quite well for us. And we've subsequently in the last little bit taken some of that risk off the table because just from a valuation perspective, I continue to think that that's a, a very strong, 
underscoring theme for H1, China reopening, cutting off the left tail risk, i.e. the, the big downside risk for global growth. Um, but the valuation, I mean, had, had moved a fair bit. So it just was, wasn't really worth having as much risk on in the portfolio as, as we originally put it on just because prices moved. So, um, so we still have that, although not as much size, but I still, still like that, uh, per se. I think that, that, that's been, that's been a good trade. Um, we've noticed, although the price action wouldn't necessarily suggest today, so we'll have to see how it goes, but, uh, we have been short-term tactically turning uh, long USDs. Uh, the, again, the price action has not necessarily um, followed through on that today. Uh, so we'll see how that follows through the rest of the week. And, and then next week, I mean, obviously, if Powell comes out very hawkish and tries to manage the market and the market actually believes him and there's a, and there's a, uh, an, uh, an offer for, for risk or, or risk, a, risk appetite is sold, so to speak, then I would I presume that the dollar would be bid. Uh, the U S dollar would be bid, but um, so we've had, we've got a little bit of long, we've opened up a little bit of long dollar Canada in the, uh, in the portfolio. So obviously that hasn't gone our way kind of in the, in the few hours since the, um, since the uh, uh, fed, fed meeting today. So we'll, we'll watch that. And if we don't like it, then we'll, we'll cut it. Uh, so I'll be talking with the team about that tomorrow and Friday. Um, <clears throat> you know, the steepener trade, a lot of people want to be in the steepener trade, uh, for this for this year, and you know we've been very long. We've been we've had the flattener on for most of last year, and it's been a great a great trade for all our portfolios, really unconstrained global core core plus. Um, but we've been un, unwinding that and getting more towards neutral, depending on the fund. And at some point, there will be an interesting uh, time uh, to get into the steepener trade, either in the U.S. and or Canada. I kind of like uh, the 530s trade, uh, but some people can message it, like messaging it from kind of a twos, tens perspective as well. But a lot of the macro guys uh, and funds in the U.S., uh, especially late last year in November, December, were legging into the steepener trade. We thought it was too early and we said, not yet. Uh, that that is proven that is proven to be the right, the right call. Um but we are clearly getting closer to the end of the cycle and to kind of circle back to the beginning of this conversation. I think that one of the big takeaways is no matter what, unless there's a huge mistake, I think that we are clearly getting closer to the end of the cycle and these yield curves cannot uh, remain inverted uh, forever as, as Mark uh, Hamlin, one of our, uh, one of our uh, PMs likes to say, and, and I think he's absolutely right. And, you know, at some point the steepener is going to come back into vogue, particularly when the market really feels like the fed is going to be uh, easing rates and maybe more needs to get priced into 2024. So a lot of the macro uh, uh, people um, globally were legging into that. And I think, uh, there's there's appetite globally from the multi-strat funds and some real money funds and the macro funds to to have that trade on and you know we're definitely spending a lot of time on the team looking at that trade how to structure it uh, obviously Canada or U.S. or both or other um, and uh, and where obviously where on the curve is is also part of the discussion so I think those are probably some of the um, some of the bigger trades, uh, at least from a from a macro perspective. Obviously, the JGB trade we have on as well. We still think that uh, the Bank of Japan will dump its yield curve control program later this year, and I think, frankly, it'll hike rates probably in the summer. 
um, and I can see a, uh, a 75 or 100 basis point 10-year Japanese government bond uh, by by the summer, and uh, and that's that's a big move. So we still we still like that trade, and we still have that trade on from from a futures perspective. And we and then somewhat ironic, not ironic, but somewhat uh, against what I've been saying on a minute ago around the uh, the steepener idea in North America. Um, I still think the ECB has, and we have an ECB meeting tomorrow, but I still think the ECB has a fair bit of work to do. And uh, inflation is very sticky there. Uh, the core inflation rate seems to be very sticky. And I think that uh, it will be a lot more difficult for the European curve, called the German benchmark, to uh, steepen versus North American curve. So we still like, uh, at least on a relative perspective, a bit more of a flattener on the European side. Um versus kind of the North American uh, cycle, because the cycles are a little bit different in terms of timing here. And that's becoming, I think, more and more evident, uh, probably because the ECB got a bit of a late start. Uh, so uh, so that's also a trade that we continue to have on. So we've got you know, a fair bit on kind of Canada side, the US side, uh, Japan side, EM side, uh, the European side, um, and then obviously, you know, um, not really touching it uh, here, but uh, quite a bit on on the credit credit exposure as well, and and how and how we're playing that. I mean, high yield I think has had a very strong one of the strongest Januarys to start the year. So there's a lot of opportunities within the credit space as well. So there's a lot to watch. Uh, there's a lot a lot to play for, and uh, yeah, I think we're you know we're we're trying to uh, keep the pulse on uh, on all these trades, and uh, I think macro continues to be a really fascinating fascinating space and will continue to be uh there's a lot of money to be made in macro this year and so we're going to do our best to try and capture that for uh for our clients and for investors what a great way to end uh thanks so much dustin for walking through uh the fed reaction uh how you're thinking about your portfolio really insightful as always uh, i look forward to our next conversation that sounds great thanks again The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. 